0: Studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host Jackson Feltz.
1: Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR every Tuesday evening here on KJR. Sounders Weekly brings you the latest and the greatest with the Seattle Sounders Football Club. Jackson Feltz here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios tonight, and joining me here for tonight's show. Former Sounder captain and my compatriot here on the Sounder broadcasts, Danny Jackson. Danny, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Jackson. It's good to have you, Danny. We did the uh, call, or we were on the pregame, halftime, postgame for the Seattle Sounders Chicago match this last week. We'll get to that. Also t- on tonight's show, you're going to hear a conversation I had earlier today with Sounders General Manager Garth Logaway and Jake Zivin. He's the play-by-play voice of the Portland Timbers. He'll join us for the final segment this evening, a little bit of Know Thy Enemy here when we're talking about Derby games as one this Saturday with Seattle and Portland. Obviously, the Sounders having faced Portland recently with the one nothing loss down there. Coming back up here check in, see what Portland's been doing so far this season. So, a big show here on Sounders Weekly tonight. Danny Jackson here in studio with me. We do start, though, and before I do anything else, I want to tell you that Seattle Sounders Soccer, presented by Elysian Brewing, Sounder fans, head to Elysian Fields to catch the Sounders FC pre-match show live before every home match. Elysian Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Seattle Sounders FC, will be down there this Saturday, uh, 1.30pm kickoff so 1 p.m. pregame will be for Sounders against Portland we'll get to previewing that match here in a little bit Danny let's start with this match against Chicago though it's a 1-1 draw and really the score not very indicative of that how that match went very exciting throughout
2: it was uh, an all-star type of game end-to-end I think Brian mentioned it we mentioned it in post game. it just wasn't didn't feel right for a home team to be under the gun so much there were chances left and right obviously man of the match was Stefan Fry, who uh, you know got a knock at the end of the game from Alan Gordon. And you know it's never a good thing when you're goalkeeper at home in front of this crowd, and, and the stellar record we've had um, at home, that he's the man of the match. And I think it was indicative of a strange game. We had a lot of chances, I think, off the top of my head. 19 shots, 7 on target, I believe, if memory serves. Um, we had chances to score. Thankfully, Clint Dempsey got off the mark. We were talking about that in the pregame, and uh, thankfully he did get his goal, and hopefully that gets him going. But uh, but again, it, it was the things that didn't work. It was the opening up of the back line, the midfield, letting Chicago come through. I think Bronico picked up the ball you know, 15, 20 minutes before the end of the game and literally dribbled 50 yards without any pressure right through our midfield, played a simple ball to Nikolic, and it was one of Fry's great saves. And I think I mentioned it in, in postgame as well. You know as a defender, there has to be a level of intensity in, in the in the defensive third. We were backing off. we were five yards away from pressure. that is not pressure on the ball and Chicago showed that they 're able to slip the balls in and around us and again, Stefan Fry came up with a number of 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 saves uh, Collier towards the end as well so um, yeah, again, when Stefan Fry is the man of the match, is never a great thing. Right, and he,
1: just news coming out today, he is right now in MLS concussion protocol. So that's going to be a big worry as he is sort of kind of, it's hard to put a label on that, but I would say kind of questionable yeah. here for Saturday's match. And if you don't have Stefan Fry, I mean, Brian Meredith is a capable goalkeeper, but Stefan Fry is so clearly the leader in that defense. And when you have holes like that and when right. things are going wrong, you need a leader back w- there. Well,
2: we've seen it in the MLS Cup um Two years running, the saves he made. I mean, obviously, when we won it, the save he made, the save, as they call it, um, off Altidore's headers. So, yes, he has been uh, a consistent performer this year. He's saved us a lot of times. I mean, granted, I think we have a decent defensive record across the course of when you think, look at the Western Conference teams. A lot of teams are in the mid-20s, goals against. Granted, they're scoring a lot of goals as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't done that. We're in the kind of mid-to-high teens. So, you know, defense has been solid, but a lot of that... Is to do with Fry, and he has been solid. When you look at Portland and the threat they bring with their offensive players, we'll see if Ardy's going to play. He didn't start, I believe, as a quad injury coming to the game against Atlanta uh, on Sunday. He did not play. But when you look at Blanco scoring against us in the 87th minute, when you look at the players they have offensively, uh, Valeri, obviously, you know, year over year, just a quality performer, quality player. They are strong. In the normal course of play, they're strong on set pieces. That's when you need a goalkeeper to be strong. And that's why... Fingers crossed, Fry's going to be fit to play. Yeah, Diego Valeri, one of
1: the members of that 2010 club, 20 goals tennis sits en route to the 2017 MLS MVP award, should mention this weekend the Sounders FC face off against the rival Portland Timbers, as Danny mentioned. The match begins, uh, it says here the match begins at 7pm. That's not correct, as we know. The match, <laughs> the match begins at 1.30. But the match is presented by Adidas. Adidas, creativity is the answer. So really, that is going to be a big matchup to watch, is simply who starts in goal and how they then lead that back line. Turning back to the offensive end, though, and you mentioned it, so many chances for this Sounder team. I mean, I I have my game notes here, and I just pretty much starred every time the Sounders miss a chance to score a goal, and there's probably about seven different stars here. One of them is Clint Dempsey, though, and he does get the goal. And the hope is that, you know, Brian Spencer keeps talking about this train's got to get moving, the fire's got to be lit. There's so many different, you know, different ways to say it. This is the hope that maybe this is the goal that gets Clint Dempsey going. Because we talked about on the pregame show. He needs to start performing. He needs to start contributing and putting up these statistics in order for this attack to have success.
2: Listen, he has such a strong track record. National team over in England when he played in the MLS. 47 goals tying Montero's record. I think regular season goals. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been a steady performer, but this year he's been a little cold. And uh, I think his quote um, at the end of the game was great. It, It wasn't about him scoring the goal. I think Brian Schmetz had mentioned that he wasn't holding anxiety about the fact that he hadn't scored. He's too experienced to have that. He knows gets in the right position, gets the service, which has been an issue as well, right? Giving him chances in front of goal, he will put it away. Um, But it's about the team. And that was good to hear from him. But we mentioned it in pregame. Leadership at this point in time comes in a variety of different ways. A Clint Dempsey brings leadership through the goals he scores and carrying the team at certain times. We saw that with Messi, Today for Argentina, mm-hmm. scoring a goal, being running balls down, blocking um, balls from the back in the last couple of minutes to kind of solidify that 2-1 win. You need big players to step up when the moment is there. We need leaders who are going to be vocal. Going back to Stefan Fry. That's something that he brings. He's a vocal leader in the dressing room, on the field, and you need a both. You need a combination of both. Guys are gonna step up with a technical ability and put the ball in the back of the net, and guys are gonna grab the team by the scruff of the neck and drag them through this tough spot we're playing in right now.
1: Well Dempsey's come up huge in matches against Portland before. We all know the various moments. You mentioned the World Cup there. I wanna to get to that momentarily. There was a moment in Brian Spencer's post-match press conference where he talked about needing to play firmer and not letting teams come into CenturyLink Field and dictate the tempo. And that's something that we kind of all looked at each other in the booth for post-game and said, that's very interesting. So when he talks about not letting teams dictate the tempo, how exactly do they do that? Because you have the players, you have quality players in the midfield to do yep. that. You know, Christian Arnold, Don, Alonzo and stuff, and, and that
2: band of three. How does it exactly then... Go out on the field and make that happen. Well, at some point, you put the players out on the field. You do the work on the practice field. I think Brian has been quoted a number of times, you know, with us in our uh, um, privately and, and, and publicly as well, that they've had good weeks of practice. They've worked on certain things. At the end of the day, you put your starting 11 out on the team, they have to perform. They mm-hmm. have to roll up their sleeves. You have to make a tackle when you need to make a tackle, make a statement. And it's about tempo, not just with the ball, but without the ball. High press up the field, put the other team under pressure. When you looked at Schweinsteiger for Chicago and the way he floated around, finding pockets of space, five, ten yards of space to pick his head up, he never looked under pressure on the ball. Dax McCarty, maybe not one of his his kind of best games. He was not one of his most influential games. But he had the ability to dictate some tempo. So I think it's both sides of the ball. Somebody's got to get there, push the team up the field, put pressure on the ball when we don't have it, win tackles, be a Zach Scott, right? Yeah. Smash a guy once in a while. It's needed. And uh, and then when you've got the ball, tempo. Keep the ball. But when Brian puts a team out, when you've got Aussie and Ladero in defensive mid, solid, good combination. And then you look at the three in front with a Dempsey and a Rodriguez, of course, and a ship who's been playing well the last couple of weeks. And Brewing up top, who's you know the guy that's been putting ball, uh, balls in the back of the net, you'd expect them to control the game. Right. And it just didn't happen. And so I think he's going to have to, again, we've mentioned it before, he's going to have to lean on some of these experienced guys and say, hey, at the end of the day, you've got to pull us out of this. You're on the field. You've got to So much as leadership. Leadership. And I, I go back to it a number of times. It comes in different ways, but it has to be somebody that's going to grab this team by the scruff of the neck. However it is done, Um this team needs to be pulled through this tough stage right now and this tough tough uh, spell of games we've had and get points on the board. In the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get three points on the board because the fans will forget that in a week or two. It's about getting yourself up the table because that gap now, I think it's 11 points. I think we mm-hmm. have 12. I think the playoff line is at 23 points. If we continue to play the way we're doing and not getting points, that gap's going to get bigger and the hole might be a little bit too big to get out of come August, September. So this Saturday against the
1: Portland Timbers, that's where the gap tries to shrink again here. Seattle hosting Portland this Saturday. The big questions that we talked about, who is going to step up? Who is going to be in goal there? Stephen Fry. So we'll stay tuned to those throughout the rest of the week and see what happens on that. By the way, you mentioned Harry Ship there. Harry Ship looked like he went down pretty hard with an ankle injury. Spencer said after the match that he will be fine. He also said Ship's doing the little things critical to the team's success right now and the success that they're having. But now, Danny, we turn our Attention from the center team to the international game and the World Cup because what we're watching might be one of the best World Cups ever. Am I going as too far there?
2: No, I, I. You know when you watch and you listen to analysts across the world. I listen to to the British. BBC and uh, and certainly I think the, the overarching comment is this is a hell of a World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. There's goals. There's chances. It's open. There's teams that are coming to play and showcase themselves versus try to become uh, you know stagnant in the way they play. Um, I would say France Denmark today was probably the the game, the first game we've had where it's really been a downer. You know France had nothing really to lose. They qualified. They could go out and play with some uh, some level of freedom. And, you know, when Peru's 2 0 up against Australia, Denmark could have opened up things. But I think both teams looked at each other, maybe at some point in the first half, and said, hey, a draw and a tie gets us both so just get it around for a little Let's bit. Let's just go. And it happens sometimes. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a mental piece to, to uh, every game. But uh, that was a disappointment. But when you balance that off with Argentina and the passion, I mean, you saw those players. The thing that was so um, obvious to me was relief at the end of the game. When you have a player like Rojo, who plays for Man United, the central defender, hits it with his wrong foot, his right foot, from across, from the outside, puts the ball in the back of the net, 83rd, 84th minute, whenever that was. They stayed out in the field. I've not seen a team who has that level of player. A Messi, arguably the best in the world. Aguero comes off the bench. Iguain, you know, Mascherano. Being out in the field, they were out there for 10, 15, 20 minutes, just hugging each other, clapping the crowd. It was just pure relief. And they're going to go play a France team now that is one of the favorites on paper, but they have not performed that way. And they were booed with 20 minutes to go against Denmark from their own fans. And for a team that had qualified into the um, into the knockout round to get booed with 20 minutes to go is in, is indicative of the way they've been playing, which has been under par and they've been underperforming. All right, so let's go back a few days. That was today's action, and that Argentina-Nigeria
1: game was outstanding with the winner there from Rojo in the 82nd. Let's go back to Germany because the game that they had against Sweden on Saturday, which was yeah. the premier 11 a.m. game that everybody was watching there, it comes down, and in the 95th minute, it's Toni Kroos with just a screamer from right outside the box on the free kick. What an amazing goal and amazing moment here in a World Cup that has been so good and so full of epic moments. Does that
2: sit at the top? It does because of the moment, right? And uh, a player like Tony Cruz, one of the best midfield players uh, in the world. He's not the most mobile, but his ability to connect passes, manage tempo mm-hmm. as we scored, as we talked about, you know, he has the right players around him. Kedera was dropped for that game. He played in the first game. Wasn't a great um, helping hand for Cruz. But the way that Germany pressed, and they pressed and they put their foot on the gas and they didn't take it off, you've got to give them huge credit. You know, they had a lot to lose, right? I don't think they've ever not qualified for the knockout round. They're one of the favourites. Across the field, they have quality. Um, but they played 1v1 at the back at times in the second half, looking for that that goal that was going to put them through. And again, you know, you know, come, um, come the moment when you need somebody to step up, that quality, the ability to take a touch, stop it, and whip his foot around the ball and put it into the into the far corner. For that moment, for him to take a breath and hit that ball the way he did with that quality. Granted, the goalkeeper, you know, maybe it's questionable to save, right? It wasn't right in the top corner, but it was a special moment for him, and I think a special moment for this tournament because you do want a Germany in that knockout round. Right? They just bring something, right? You know, and uh, it'll be exciting to see. Now they've got through. Like Argentina, can they relax a little bit and can they go play? Well, that's
1: going to be the matches here tomorrow, Wednesday morning. Both are at 7 a.m. here. We got South Korea against Germany, and Germany given great life there. And then the other one, Mexico-Sweden. And I want to talk to you about Mexico, yep. because this is one of the teams that I don't know if a lot of people necessarily were expecting this, and maybe expecting them to get through, but not look this
2: good in doing it. They played with such speed, um, such ambition in that first game against Germany. They really caught Germany off guard, and... Uh you know pressed the ball they broke well they defended well as a unit and then they countered quickly uh, when you have a guy like chicharito up front when he gets a chance he can score and that's obviously critical to any team in a in a tournament play like this you need a talisman up front who when given the chance is going to put the ball in the back of the net we've seen a harry kane for england do it messi now steps up neymar coutinho for brazil but you need someone like that to step up and vaya has been influential in that in, on that Field as well, and uh, you know, great to see an MLSer in the World Cup playing that number ten role and being influential on in the world stage. Again, that's a good um, a good sign for the MLS to see a player who plays in this league be so influential on the world stage. Yeah, and showing other players that the MLS is
1: producing players of this quality. One more World Cup game I want to talk to you about, and that is Thursday at eleven a.m. England, Belgium. What game is that? England, Belgium. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's going to be one where both of these teams clearly the two best teams in this group. They're both they're both advancing, yeah. but it's going to be for that top spot. England has played very well. Harry Kane five goals. He's the leading scorer after that last round for the it's Golden Boot still in the World Golden Cup, boot, yeah. right? So, what do you expect out of this one? Belgium's it, also played very well so far.
2: It's going to be an exciting game. Both teams have obviously qualified. The question is now who gets one who gets two. Uh, you know, the debate is is. Does it even matter with basing the teams that they potentially could face coming out of Group H, I think? Um, it depends on what co- both coaches do. Are they going to look big picture on, and uh, think, OK, this, these teams, both these teams can go a long way? I think England have proved themselves this World Cup to be a very different team than they've been in previous World Cups. Um, they're not playing on the back foot, they're playing on the front foot. When you have players like Jesse Lingard making runs in behind, Sterling, the ability to move in those soft areas between defense and midfield. Granted, he hasn't played great yet. I think he's a guy that could step down and a Rashford could come into that starting lineup. But whoever they bring off the bench right now, that, that, that first three or four players, you know, you bring a Danny Rose on the left for an Ashley Young, a quality left-footed player, didn't have a great year with Tottenham, but he's going to bring good balance on the, on the left. Trippier from Tottenham, He's played outstanding so far. His ability to whip in a ball. You know, England has scored a lot of goals from corner kicks and set pieces. And it goes back to the whole um, era of Beckham, right? You know, mm-hmm. do you pull a Beckham off the field? But when you do, you lose that quality from a set piece. And Trippier has, has proved in this World Cup, as he's proved through his course of his career so far, that he can deliver a great ball. And when you make good runs and you pick guys off, you can score goals. So this will to be a thrilling game. I'm a little nervous about the back three of England. I think John Stones, um, Harry Maguire, are a little weak. Um, Cal Walker is an outside back. He's not an essential um, defender in a three. So when you play against, if a Lukaku does play, if a Hazard does play, a De Bruyne plays, you know, a Mertens play, those are four guys that can really rip any team to shreds. That makes me a little nervous for this England team, playing that three and looking exposed. But hey, they've got a lot of youth to England, they've got a lot of quality, and they've got a talisman in Harry Kane. And if you can get support staff around him, which has proven so in set pieces, you know, John Stones scoring two goals. I mean, if you put a wager on in Vegas that John Stones <laughs> would score two goals in a, in a game in the World Cup. A lot of if, money. Yeah, I think you'd <laughs> you get a lot of money. So um, it's going to be a good game. I just hope both teams come out and play. Don't play like Denmark yeah. and, and France. I hope they come out and play a showcase game because I think this World Cup is deserving of it and there's players on there that want to prove themselves. Yeah, so that game is going to be on Thursday
1: and then the knockout round games start on Saturday after the day off Friday so that'll be super exciting. We're watching one of the best World Cups ever right now and it's only still in the group stage. We haven't even hit the knockout round yet so we're hoping that those knockout round games stay with this sort of quality and this drama that we're seeing so far on the group stage. Uh, Danny Jackson is here, former Sounder captain, a broadcast analyst here on the Sounder matches. He's joining me here in studio for Sounder's weekly tonight later on in the show we're going to talk to jake Zivin. he's a play-by-play announcer for the portland timbers to preview the sounders upcoming match against portland coming up next here on sounders weekly you're going to hear my chat earlier today with sanders general manager and president of soccer garth loggerway that's coming up next on sounders weekly on your new home for the seattle sounders sports radio 950 kjr
0: now back to sounders weekly on your home for sounders fc seattle's sports radio 950 kjr
1: Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz back here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. here on KJR. We bring you an hour of Sounders FC talk. Great to have former Sounder captain Danny Jackson here in studio tonight. Awesome to talk to him in that opening segment about the Sounders draw against Chicago last weekend, looking ahead to Portland. And then also the World Cup in full swing right now. One of the best World Cups we've ever seen. We'll preview that every single week here on Sounders Weekly. We'll talk about the World Cup and everything going on with it. But now we turn our attention back to the Seattle Sounders. Earlier today, I had the chance to catch up with Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Logaway. Wanted to let you hear that interview right now on Sounders Weekly.
0: I'm good, Jason. How you doing?
1: Doing very good, Garth. I want to start with the 1-1 draw against Chicago last Saturday. It's only a point for the Sounders, but man, that was probably one of the most exciting 1-1 matches I've ever seen with so many chances throughout. What were your thoughts on the game?
0: I definitely understand that it's exciting from a fan perspective. Uh, you know, maybe not the way that we would draw it up, uh, in terms of the blueprint we might like the most, but got a little open, uh, and, and we gave up some, some chances. But look, we, we did create more going forward. That was encouraging. Uh, you know, but I think overall it's, it's two points lost, two points lost at home more than, than one point gained. So we got to continue to work and, um, you know, we're, we're getting healthier and, Get more guys back and we're getting more cohesive as those guys get more time together and hopefully we'll continue to improve.
1: Yeah, the fight to get to the red line continues. We'll get to the Portland match this Saturday in a moment. Clint Dempsey does score in the match this last weekend, his first of the MLS season, tied Freddie Montero with a club record with 47 MLS regular season goals. Do you think that his goal will light the fire per se, or maybe a better way to ask it is if you need a old-school Clint Dempsey in order to have success in this attack, at least until reinforcements come via acquisitions?
0: You know, uh, anybody scoring helps at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Clint scored a big goal there. Uh, it was good to see him, you know, break through and, and hopefully it's the first of many goals for him. That's You know, he's had streaks in his career where he, uh, he catches on fire and hopefully we'll see the same thing, uh, going forward. But, you know, we, we need a, we need a varied attack, right? We generated a good number of chances in the Chicago game, uh, and we generated a good number of chances in the DC United game. So that's a, an encouraging trend, um, especially at home, um. And I think it's important going into the Derby match with Portland to try to capitalize on that and then have multiple people be gold dangerous. Victor's been gold dangerous, for us. Nico's been gold dangerous for us. Will Bruin has, uh Harry Ship has, uh, you know, uh in, in earlier in the season Christian Rodan has been. So um we need to we need all those guys that you know, step up on the offensive end and they contribute.
1: Yeah, and Dempsey usually shows up in big moments, especially against the Portland Timbers, where Christian Roldan had that goal last year as well. I remember huge derby coming up this Saturday at CenturyLink Field. Garth,
0: very exciting. I mean, it's a game that you game that you play for, it's a game you circle on the calendar, and um, they don't come much bigger in this one because we need it. Uh, I'll, I'll, because I think there's a World Cup lead in before the game. I think a lot of people are going to be watching the game in the stadium at home. Um, you know, so I think it's a it's a real opportunity for us to show what we're made of
1: well it's the perfect segue to then turn our attention to the world cup this is the first chance we've had to talk about it since it started a couple weeks ago what has stood out to you so far in a tournament that has seen a ton of shocking moments and games including earlier today what could have been nigeria knocking out argentina except for an 82nd minute winner
0: it's funny because there actually haven't been that many upsets from a group perspective. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there yet yeah, there's been incredibly exciting games, you know, Spain going down, Germany going down, Argentina going down. Uh, and so far they've all rescued them and rescued those moments. Uh, but you know, you've you been on the brink of like a couple of different catastrophic, uh, changes and, and it's been, I think, a really exciting World Cup and it's been, uh, really compelling games as, You've seen some of the lesser teams be very well organized and make things very, very difficult on some of the more traditional powers, and we will be interested to see how that plays out when you get to the knockout rounds.
1: Are you surprised by any of these shocks that some of us in the media would look at? And we're very surprised. You know, I talk with various other media members and we're all shocked constantly at, at how much parody there is now in this World Cup and how much these little teams are now having a chance. And you saw a draw between Argentina and Iceland. We talked to then Stefan Fry last week and he said it, it wasn't surprising at all. So are you any bit surprised about this or is this kind of been a, just it's just the way of the game where there is more parody in the world now?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think, I think there is, but I think when it comes time, you know, the quarterfinals on in, I think it's still going to be the traditional teams that are there. Yeah. I think what you've seen is within the group stage setting, uh, if you're compact and you're well organized, uh, and, and a better and experienced team like Iceland is an example, um, uh, or a Denmark, uh, if you think about their first game against Peru, you know, that you can really withstand a lot of pressure. Uh, and if you're able to do that and nick a goal, then within the context of group play, if you, you know, if you win one of the three games that way, uh, it really gives you a good chance of getting out of the group. And, um, so it's, it's actually, I think, been, I think there's been a lot of conservative strategy. And I think as we get into the knockout rounds, the games will open up a little bit more because mm-hmm. there'll be more in the look, it'll be the best teams that go so far, at least it's been the best teams that have gone through. Um, and, you know, I think those teams will be slightly more inclined to play. I mean, for me, the arguably the best match of the tournament was the three, three Portugal, Spain, right. Um, you know, that was, that was pretty wide open and dynamic and stuff. And I'm, I'm you know, and again, we we've certainly had other exciting games. There's no question, but that game was, was really well played. And, high scoring and open and those kind of things that make them compelling
1: yeah there is the hope that the knockout round games will stay just as good as these group stage games knockout round begins on saturday garth the uh, goth is my guest Sounders general manager and president of soccer garth how often do you see a player in the world cup watching and, and playing and just think how perfect he would be on this Sounders team <laughs>
0: You know, I mean, I'm not the only general manager watching. Everybody, every general manager in the world is watching this tournament right. and, and salivating over the talent they see <laughs> on display. So, look, um, you know, it's one of the fun parts of it. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I mean, as a GM, you worry more about prices being inflated coming out of the World mm-hmm. Cup than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, because somebody has a good performance and maybe isn't able to sustain it over a long period of time. But uh, as you said, it's been exciting games. There's a ton of good players. You always see, you know, a young player for a couple minutes at the end of a game that catches your eye and you wind up tracking for a couple of years and and maybe he pops up. So uh, definitely a a fun enterprise. And, you know, watching soccer is never a bad thing watching really high-level soccer like the World Cup. And then, you know, having the water cooler talk on top that where everybody wants to talk about the World Cup is it makes it makes for a fun month.
1: Yeah. So, how often do you text or call Chris Henderson and say, "Hey, book a ticket to wherever the player plays, and say I want you on the next flight to such and such city."
0: <laughs> hey, look. you I mean, you joke about it, Jackson, but you know, during games, we're definitely emailing agents and saying, "Yeah, hey, you know, what about him? Is he you know, is he available uh, this summer? Is he available in the year? That kind of thing." So. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're both doing that and, and shooting each other notes and shooting notes to, to the scouts and, um as like I said, it's fun. It, it's this idea. I mean, the World Cup is so powerful because the whole world is watching and it's this global community and, you know, you, you, you know, you talk to people from everywhere mm-hmm. when you're, when you're watching the game and I think that's, that's a really fun part of the job
1: yeah I joke a little bit, but seriously aside everybody's still kind of just waiting on their hands and knees for more rumors and information on impending signings and just waiting for this transfer window to open up on July tenth I took more listener questions via Twitter at jackson kjr yesterday to I always like to incorporate listener questions into these interviews, and about ninety percent of the questions related to timing and information regarding designated player and Tam signings, and I had to just kind of continuously redirect people to well, he's already spoken on the Ruiz Diaz. Room it's sort of right now where everybody everybody right now is just waiting to see what you're going to unveil starting on july 10th and then during that summer transfer window because as you've said multiple times we're looking at a dp and one or more tam players what you have up your sleeve is certainly exciting and we're all kind of just waiting to see what you end up surprising us with
0: yeah look it's it's the work of lots of people over here um uh... Chris Henderson, certainly, and and Robbie Romano, the data analyst and um, all of our scouts everywhere around the world. So it's a collective effort and we're working on it. And I'm actually cautiously optimistic that uh, we may have something, uh, you know, maybe as soon as this week. Um, And we're going to keep working. Uh, But I I feel confident at the very least that we'll have something before – before july 10 before the window opens and uh that way hopefully we can get things lined up with with visas and with with things like that that um maybe make them uh, hopefully get them eligible uh, at the front end of the window
1: The something this week can you tell me any more about that whether it's a dp or a tam player or something else
0: I can't. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, I'm, I'm uncertain at this point, but uh, we're working on it.
1: All right. Garth, I talked about listener questions. One here, listener question coming from a Dave Clark, and I, I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Dave asked If you had unlimited roster spots on the first team, which S2 players would you most like to see get a shot with the first team right now?
0: You know, it's funny. I think long term, if you talk about guys like Sam Rogers and, and, uh, you know, we have a number of really good uh, homegrown prospects, I think, long term. If you look at Marlon Vargas or Alfonso Campo Chavez or, uh, you know, uh, Ray Serrano, uh, you know, I think the kids I mean, our, our 17s, our 17s were in the quarterfinals today. And they won three to one. So they're in the national semifinals. Second year in a row, we put a, a 17 or 19 year old team with, you know, one of our big academy teams, uh, in a national semifinal. Hopefully they will fare better than our 19s did, uh, last year. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get a chance to win our first. Uh, youth title, but all those kids contributed in some form or fashion uh, to that team. Sam's a little bit older, but um, to the rest, and, you know, you know, other talented youngsters, uh, Azrael Gonzalez and Shannon Hopo and uh, Nick Hines. And, you know, what I, what I like about S2 is, you know, their increasing number of prospects down there, and I think uh, Coach Hutchinson and, and Wade Weber have done an awesome job uh, with that. Group and you know, we may not see it yet in terms of results on the field, but that group is um, really getting better. You know, we think about two years ago, we had one homegrown player prospect on that club and now we have eight uh and certainly not not all eight will make it uh but uh, if we can get just a percentage of those guys i think in the next two to three years you'll see these guys start to push into the first team and you know fans will kind of start to notice for the first time uh, as these guys uh, get into the field and, and hopefully systematically in a systematically sustainable way where it's not just a flash of the plan it's not just a one-off uh, but these kids are really uh to really get the business done and, you know, somebody like, uh, Dylan Tenez, uh, off the UW this fall. Um, you know, there'll always be some college prospects as well. So, uh, we're, look, we're excited about the future. Um, that was uh, a very long-winded answer, but, uh, and I apologize for that, but. But uh, we are very excited about our youth system in the
1: future. Well, you stole my thunder there with the U-17s, that success and the victory today. So that was great to see for the organization. Garth, I have a bunch of questions left. We're a little bit short on time today. One thing I want to ask you about next week, just as a little bit of a tease for all the listeners, is I had a chance to talk to Bruce Arena, former U.S. Men's National Team coach, last week about where he sees MLS and American soccer going in another 20 years. He's been part of the sport for decades. I want to talk to you about the future of MLS and American soccer next week so that'll be on the interview on the next sounders weekly but that'll do it for today's interview garth i appreciate your time again this evening awesome thanks for having me jackson Great to chat with Seattle Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Lagerwey. You can hear that interview every single Tuesday evening about 725 here on 950 KJR's Sounders Weekly. I talk with Garth Lagerwey every single week. And now we turn our attention to Saturday's match between the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers, Jake Zivin, He is the TV broadcaster for the Portland Timbers. He joins Danny Jackson and I next on Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio, 950 KJR.
0: Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC.
1: Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. Last segment here for you tonight on the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios alongside former Sounder captain Danny Jackson. Danny, thanks for hanging around here, and uh, let's end the show strong. Joining us here on Sounders Weekly to do it, a Know Thy Enemy segment as we welcome Jake Zivin. He's the TV voice of Portland Timbers FC. You can hear him on Root Sports Northwest. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for jumping on with us.
3: Hey, guys, happy to be here. Portland-Seattle Week, always uh, wonderful times, and uh, excited to be on with you guys in the lead-up to what, the 101st matchup between these uh, two programs? Two That's
1: teams. correct, yeah. We hyped up the 100th matchup down there in Portland wow, a lot, did. a, a one nothing loss for Seattle down there, and we all hope up here that the result is opposite here this week, if not a little bit more on the side of the Sounders. Jake, really quickly, before we get into soccer action, I'm not sure if you've seen the viral marketing campaign the Sounders are using for this match, but... They are marketing it as Seattle against the second best Portland. So, for the remainder of this interview, we will refer to you as the voice of the second best Portland Timbers.
3: I don't know who calls soccer in Portland, Maine, but I'm sure they have a wonderful gig as well. I enjoy doing it in Portland, Oregon. It's a great spot to to call games in. I'm sure it is in in Portland, Maine, which I imagine is a lovely city as well. And there's been, I, I will say, I enjoy the banter, I love it both ways timbers have given it to the sounders in the past Sounders have given it to the timbers in the past i think that's what makes makes rivalries great i'm all about it and i like the, the little uh, responses in from portland maine we're hearing a little bit from oh, them. the yeah, newspaper yeah. there i think has come out <laughs> firmly on the side of portland oregon in the debate which i know everybody <laughs> in portland certainly appreciates but it's fun i love it i think that's what makes rivalries great and i'm glad that uh both both the portland timbers and the seattle Sounders are kind of all in on that and good-natured for the most part, I think, and it's fun.
1: All right, Jake, well, let's get into the soccer here. So this Portland season so far, we know what Portland did against Seattle down there last month. But what has their season been so far? This is the first year under the new head coach, Giovanni Savarese. What can you tell us about how the season's gone so far under him?
3: Yeah, it's been a tale of kind of two parts. The first five games all the way from home because of the renovation of Providence Park didn't go well. Three losses, two draws, they were giving up a lot of goals. Uh, and it just it just wasn't happening. The first two games specifically weren't good uh, at LA and at New York. A four nothing loss against kind of Red Bulls one point five because the Red Bulls were in the middle of CCL at the time and and it, it wasn't. Good. They were still in the four two three one that we were used to seeing the Timbers play the past several years under Caleb Porter. And after that New York game, Timbers had a week off and Giovanni say Changed it up. Went to a 4-3-2-1, a Christmas tree formation, so to speak. He wanted to solidify things in the back. He wanted to make this team hard to beat, hard to, to get scored on, and, and it didn't work. They didn't get a result for a while, but it worked. 1-1 in Dallas, 2-2 at Chicago a game they should have won, 3-2 loss in Orlando a game they really should have won. They were up 2 nothing in the 80th minute and gave up three late goals. Um, so the shift to the Christmas tree, I think, was was the big change. They came home, and since then, They've been unbeaten in 11 all competitions. Their last loss was that Orlando game, which was on April 8th. So that's two and a half months ago, coming up on three months now. Um, and, and I think the biggest difference has been that tactical change, that switch primarily to the 4 2, 3 one And it hasn't been just that. Giovanni Severese has shown a willingness um, and even a desire to change up tactically based on the opponent. He's not afraid to move guys in and out of his starting 11. He's not afraid to switch the formation. We've seen legitimately now five different formations from this team, all competitions this year, after playing a 5-3-2 against Atlanta this weekend. Uh, And he's gotten it right more often than not, especially in this 11-game unbeaten run. Started on April 14th at home against Minnesota. Uh, They figured it out defensively. They allowed 14 goals in their first six. They've allowed five in their last eight that's 5 and 10 if you include the two Open Cup shutouts. So, really, just the change uh, in mentality, getting used to Giovanni Savarese, uh, and him getting it right tactically, I think, has been uh, the difference between kind of the, the tail of two seasons, the first month or so, and then what we've seen in this 11 game unbeaten run
2: since. So, Jay, you know, my question was going to be about that formation change and the formations and, that you guys have played over the course of certainly in the last couple of months. You know, what impact does an Ardi have in the way that Savarese? plays his team and and puts his team out on the field. He obviously was missing against Atlanta, I believe, and uh, with a 1-1 tie. But what impact? I mean, we know him as a player. We know his impact that he has on the field. Big, strong, can play in behind, good with the ball at his feet as well, scores goals. But what do you think, what formation do you feel is the most comfortable for this team when Artie is in that starting lineup?
3: Yeah, that's interesting. And and that's been something um, that... To me, has been the most, I'll say, fascinating, um, position battle is Fernando Wadi and Samuel Armenteros because Giovanni's average has gone back and forth. It was Adi to start the season for the most part. Uh, but then the second game of the year, he started, he started Armenteros at New York. Um, Armenteros has produced more this year. I think that the difference in the way they played maybe suits Armenteros a little more than Fernando Wadi, who maybe is still getting used to it. Either. Giovanni Severese came into this year, the opening press conference, he said he wanted his team to press, to be a dominant team with the ball, and he wanted them to press. And after the first two games, I think he realized they don't have the personnel to do it. Fernando Wadi, Sebastian Blanco, Diego Valeri, just not the right guys up top to do it. Very talented players, um, creative players in Blanco and Valeri, but maybe not best suited to play the way he wanted to play. So we changed it up and and played a style that, at least suited maybe Valerian Blanco more. But I, I still think with Adi, who we've seen in the past so good at, at holding the ball up, right, and just kind of being a wall at times where players like Valeri, Blanco, formerly Magby, um, can can play it into him and run off him. They haven't been playing as much that way, especially in the Christmas tree this year. And I think he's still is trying to kind of find his rhythm and, and figure out kind of where he fits in the system. Sam Armenteros, meanwhile, has, has done great. He's taken advantage of his opportunities, scored one of the goals of the season against Colorado on the road with that kind of Burkamp touch, uh, which was phenomenal, uh, and also a wonderful winner against uh, LAFC, had the assist uh, down uh, in the here in that first game against Seattle on Blanco's winner. So, He's been more productive than Fernando Adi. Um, You mentioned Adi was was out injured in Atlanta. He picked up a knock in training last week. I don't know where his progress is at um, this week, and I think it'll probably be a later-in-the-week decision for him going up to Seattle. That's that's been fascinating to me, to see how Giovanni Savarese, who was a striker himself, right? So he's going to say, he'll know that, hey, if a guy's scoring goals, that guy's going to feel like he deserves to stay in the starting 11. And Giovanni Savarese knows that from his playing time. Right. Uh, I think he's maybe going to be a little more more want to to let a guy keep going if he's scoring goals. Right now, this part of the year, it's been Samuel Armandtero.
1: You're listening to Sounders Weekly on the new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Danny Jackson and I have headed down uh, through the magic of technology to the second-best Portland in the United States, Portland, Oregon, talking to the voice of Timbers FC, Jake Zivin.
2: So, Jake, um, question I have. Schmetzer, for us, had such an impact in 2016. He came in tail end of July, beginning of August, and really got this team going, right? You know, it was just a slightly different mentality in the dressing room. He made players accountable, went on a run, and obviously won the championship in 16, went back to the championship game in 17. We're struggling this year. But maybe speak a little bit about Savarese and what he's done for this team in the locker room. You've mentioned on the field about the formation, but maybe more about what he's brought to the club on and off the field, in the locker room, around the community, in the front office. What, is the, what has he brought that maybe a Schmetz was brought to this club and the impact that he had and we felt in 2016?
3: Yeah, Giovanni Severese has been energetic. He's been enthusiastic. He always has a smile on his face. He is um, very open to talking to everybody in the organization. Uh, at least it's, it's been my interactions with him. Uh, a real energy and a positivity that, that is just kind of how he is. I think when the Timbers hired him, that's what people heard. People who had worked with him in New York with the Cosmos had heard that he's a great guy. That's what everybody would say. You're going to love him. He's a great guy. And I think six months in, everybody would agree that, that that was all accurate. Again, this is, this is off the field. Um, fantastic. You know, he, in the preseason, uh, he'll, he would do these staff games. He's still doing them now, actually, day before game after training where kind of everybody, not necessarily front office staff because they're in a different place, but the staff that's there at the training facility jumps in and everybody plays a small-sided game. And it's very kind of welcoming and a very inclusive environment, um, which is kind of the type of guy he is. If you talk to him, he's going to be warm. He's going to be open. He's going to smile. He's going to listen to you. Um, and he's shown himself, I think, to be a really good guy for everybody off the field. As far as the locker room is concerned, you know, obviously um, not 100% knowledgeable about it, but what it seems is that guys have uh, have really kind of now grown to trust him and to believe in his way. When the season started off, without a win in five, you didn't know how it was going to go. And that'd be the same for any team that starts out with a new coach uh, and struggling a little bit. There's some teams around MLS right now that I'm sure are dealing with this. But once they started to roll and once his tactical decisions immediately uh, kind of translated to results, I think you could, you could tell that, okay, everybody is totally buying in, um, and it really does seem to be a group that is tight-knit, that's enjoying themselves on and off the field right now, and a lot of that, I think, comes from Giovanni Sambarese.
1: Well, Jake, for you down there, you guys are just working to get a better seed right now as you're above that red line for the Seattle Sounders. We're just looking to get to that red line right now. This weekend, the Seattle Sounders FC face the Portland Timbers. The match begins at 1.30, and it's presented by Adidas. Adidas, creativity is the answer. Jake Zivin has been our guest. He's down in the second-best Portland broadcaster on TV for the Portland Timbers. Jake, appreciate all your time today and insight. It'll be a fun match on Saturday. Should be a great one between our clubs.
3: Uh, always fun. I love calling these games. They are the best matches in Major League Soccer year in and year out. Can't wait to be up uh, at CenturyLink on uh, a Saturday.
1: Jake, thanks so much for joining us here today. We'll see you on Saturday.
3: Yeah, guys, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Alright Danny, great stuff there from Jake Zivin a broadcaster for the Portland Timbers there this is going to be a fun one on Saturday One thirty kickoff, our pregame show will start at 1.30 from Elysian Brewing, or I should say Elysian Fields, Sounder fans head to Elysian Fields to catch the Sounders FC pre-match show live before every home match, Elysian Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Seattle Sounders FC so we'll start that just after 1 o'clock on Saturday, it's going to be a great game.
2: You know I look at it this way when a team is struggling, this is the kind of game that you want, right? right? You Throw out who who's wearing the table. You throw out the points on the board. This is a unique game. The passion, the energy is going to be there. Whether the sound is at the bottom or the top of the table, it's going to be the same type of game. And this is the type of game I think these players will be up for for sure. How can you not be? And uh, and it's a game that you know. Hey, listen, the way we played against them down there, it's definitely three points could be available. We can play well. We've got guys back on the field now. Playing together. We have a Dempsey back on the score sheet for the season. This is a game that three points are vital. However, you get them, you need three points. Right. But it's a game that I think is coming at the right time for this club. It's going to
1: be a fun one. Hey, before we end the show here tonight, I meant to mention this at the start of the show, but I'll do it right now. An event that you're going to be part of here this Thursday, Kicking Cancer at CenturyLink Field. Sports Radio KJR is Kicking Cancer at the Clink this Thursday. Just in a couple days, we're raising money for Strong Against Cancer and the KJR cares to benefit Seattle Children's Hospital. So join us this Thursday from 3 to 4.30. It's prior to the Stadium Cup Finals at CenturyLink for a KJR staff... Against Listeners Soccer Match. So you only have a few hours left to actually get in on this. It ends at midnight tonight. So go to Sports KGR.com slash Cancer. That's Sports radio KGR.com slash Cancer. And you can purchase your ticket to play. It also comes with two sweet tickets to a predetermined Sounders FC match, one Sounders scarf, one Kicking Cancer at CenturyLink Field t shirt. So a whole bunch of great things for you there. And all of the money that you're putting towards this to be a part of Kicking Cancer goes towards Strong Against Cancer in Seattle children's hospital it's for the kids so you want to be a part of this and danny jackson's going to be out there and he's going to save every shot you try to make so good luck playing goalie (laughs) (laughs) all right so that'll do it for sounders weekly here for us tonight thanks again uh, to danny jackson here for coming in studio awesome to have him in garth Logaway centers general manager and president of soccer as well as jake Zivin down there in the second best portland Timbers FC TV Broadcaster. Appreciate all the guests here for coming in tonight. Listen to Sounders Against Portland Timbers. That's this Saturday. Kickoff right after 1.30. Our pregame show will start at 1 o'clock right here on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio. 950 KJR.